This is the last story where um, Abram is Abram. The last story where Sarai is Sarai. Uh, next week is, we said that the, the whole life of Abram is a pattern. And next week is the culmination of the pattern. The, the story takes a hard right turn next week and starts coming back in another direction. And you start to see the parallels in the story. And Abram's name will change and Sarai's name will change next week. Because next week is the, the institution of the covenant with God. That's the big thing, right? I mean, that's it. The covenant relationship with God. Last week, Hostetter talked about how God kicked off that covenant by walking through the pieces. And there's the, the initiation of a relationship with God always starts from God's side. It doesn't matter if you're a free will or predestination, all that stuff. It doesn't really matter. When it comes to where the relationship with God starts, it always, no matter where you are theologically, it always starts with God. It always starts with God. We love because he first loves us. And he's the one who creates us. And he's the one who breaks from heaven to come get us. And last week, it was that moment when Abram's asleep and God walks through the pieces for him. He, it's like the engagement in the relationship where there, there's the popping of the question and the giving of the ring. You know, it's like Abram got engaged to God, like the people of Israel got engaged to God in their relationship. The covenant was hinted at and God made the first move. And next week will be the actual ceremony where there's this covenant that forms and the whole thing of circumcision around that and all that, you know, all of that is next week, the big covenant with God. And in between God's step toward us and then the ceremony, in between God's initiation and his grace towards us and our faith and our following of him, in the middle of that is one of the worst stories during the engagement period. Because what's amazing is, is God loves us even when we're a total mess. That while we're still sinners, Christ dies for us. And in this picture, it's amazing that this is where this story is. And here's the story. I don't have time to read the whole chapter. I don't have time to get into all the details of the story. But here's the story. It's essentially this. God made a promise to Abram. Sarai, his wife, felt the pressure to help fulfill that promise. When she doesn't see a way that she can help fulfill it, she tries to find a creative solution to God's problem. And in the process, creates a whole other host of issues. Abram goes along with that instead of standing strong in faith. And there's a victim in the story who ends up being massively victimized, and yet God finds the victim. And loves the victim. Cool story, right? Cool story. That's, the, that's the, the general plot about it. I want you to stop for a second and think with me about what pressure you feel in your life. Maybe there's a promise that you've sensed from God that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Maybe there was that dream that you had about what God was calling you to that you never saw it fulfilled. Maybe there's that thing that you just sensed, man, God wants this. His word says it. He's put it on my heart, but I cannot see it happen. Or maybe there's pressure on you from others and you feel the eyes of others boring in on your soul and you don't know how to escape the pressure. Here's the thing with Sarah. I see this is the way it worked is that God had told Abram that he was going to have a nation. And so that meant they actually had to have a kid. God told them that when they already couldn't have kids. And then it's like 16 years later now, and they still haven't had kids. I mean, we're talking like she's gone through menopause at this point, big time. You know, 
She's like deep into a century old. She's getting close to a century old, you know? And, and the guys are still after her, by the way. Weird, like, you know, how this works, but the guys are still after her. And yet she can't have kids anymore, and she feels the pressure. And here's the thing. Anyone who's had fertility issues in this room knows the pain of that. And if you wanted to have kids and you couldn't, that's an extremely painful thing. Add on top of that the fact that in that society, a woman was known by nothing else really other than how many kids she had. It wasn't, I mean, you can't, it's not like being a successful businesswoman was a thing. You know, it's not like all, all the other things that you could define yourself from or get legitimacy from. There was none of that. All there was, was you were the one who was bearing the children of the next generation. And add to that the fact that God's call to humanity through Adam and Eve was to go forth and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And then, of course, the curse had to do with the childbearing when it came to the woman. Everything for a woman's identity had to do with having kids at that point. And then there's all the society pressure. There's the religious pressure. When, when Noah got off the boat, God says it again in the Noahic covenant, go fill the earth, go forth and multiply. The religious pressure, the social pressure, the personal pressure, the marital pressure, because Abram was supposed to have a nation and this was going to be the thing. He did his job by God, but it wasn't working because Sarai couldn't. And it says, listen to the first verse. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had born him no children the pressure she felt was i can't give abram what he needs man the level of pressure on this woman's life was intense she had a female egyptian servant whose name was hagar where'd the servant come from how'd they get a servant in egypt pharaoh gave them all sorts of things why Because Abram gave Sarai to Pharaoh. Is it funny how our sins from the past haunt us in the future? And in this situation, it's really easy to go after Sarai and say what she did wrong. But the only reason they even have this servant is because of what Abram did. You know, it's amazing how none of us in the story are clean. In the covenant with God, none of us are clean. And whatever problems we have now... There's something in our life that contributed to those problems to some degree or another. You know, it's amazing as the stories that come out. There's this, uh, like I told this at the baccalaureate at O&J this year. Unbelievable, the, the, the numbers that came back. There was this huge research project that was done on traffic patterns and what happens when people switch lanes. And if someone switched lanes on their commute, on average, if they are constantly switching lanes in order to get there faster, on average, they arrive 10 seconds faster than the person who stayed in their lane in heavy traffic. Every time they switch lanes, they slow traffic down by two minutes. What? If four people would stop in the course of a two-mile stretch. If four people would stop changing lanes, it would, it would move the whole line forward two minutes. Like, that's what, that's what they're saying. It would move the whole line forward two minutes. And you would get there. So everyone would get there two minutes early, but no, I got to get there 10 seconds earlier, which is actually, you know, a minute and 50 seconds later than it would have been if I had stayed in my lane alone with others. But I'm 10 seconds ahead of you, so I'll get the parking spot instead of you. You know, it's funny when there's tension in our lives, we have a tendency to want to try to fix the issue. But when we do, we become the cause of much more grief and heartache. 
That's what happens when we try to play God in our lives. When we take God's promises and God's calls and we try to fix God's problems our ways, we create more God-sized problems that he didn't ordain. And it slows everything down. So, says she has this mistress, this, uh, this servant, and Sarai said to Abram, Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Whose fault is it? According to her, it's definitely God's fault. You know, And God's in control, so it's really easy to feel like a victim from God when things aren't going our way. We need to acknowledge the fact that God's sovereign and God's in control. We also need to acknowledge the fact that there are all sorts of things that happen that God doesn't want to happen. Believe that? Believe that? Read the Bible. It happens. There are things that God does not want to happen that happen. So even though God's all-powerful and sovereign, not everything goes the way that God would desire it for go to go. God desires that all men would come to know him. That's what he desires, you know? And so he says, here's the way, walk in it, but we don't. And so there's this other thing. And yet when things didn't go her way, And when it wasn't working out and there was a problem that was perplexing, she says, God has kept this from happening in my life. What happens when we feel like a victim and when we put ourselves in that situation? It justifies behavior in our minds that we're like, well, God's not taking care of this. I guess I have to take matters into my own hands. And somewhere inside of us, without ever actually admitting that that's what we're doing, somewhere inside of us, we start to justify things that otherwise wouldn't be okay. And we start reading the text different than we would. And we start seeing the text differently and the scripture gets twist because, man, there's this dilemma, you know, and this, this big dilemma that we don't know what to do with. And so I guess since God wants this, then it must be okay to do this, you know, and there's, there's that moment where we allow the circumstances to dictate our morality instead of letting God problems be God problems and still trust God. So what happens is, she says to Abram, you should take my servant and you should have a baby with her. Put yourself in Abram's shoes for a second. Here's this Egyptian girl who came with you and your wife says, I want you to sleep with her and have a kid. This was never going to work. Think about it. It was never going to work. To work. It was never going to turn out okay that your wife ended up with a slave because you gave her to another man. She brings that slave with her, and now she tells you to sleep with her slave to have a baby, and you're like, that's going to work? It's not going to work, and it doesn't work. She conceives, and as soon as she conceives, the very first thing is it says that there were problems between her and Sarai. Really? Really, that's very surprising. Abram, it doesn't matter. Your wife 
feels obligated in this moment to find a way to fix the problem. What you should feel obligated is to take responsibility in your home and not cave to the pressure, even though your wife not only says it's okay, but is encouraging it. Even though your libido might be like thinking that's a great idea. No matter what the issue is in this situation, right is right, and it's never right. No matter what the storyline of scripture is, one thing we know is at the beginning, God said there was this guy and there was this woman and they were to come together in this thing called marriage. And the man was going to leave father and mother and the two were going to become one flesh. He made them in his image, male and female. He created them. And anytime it gets more complex than that, it gets more complex than that. And when Abram started the ball rolling, when he sent his wife to another man, And now he needs to stand his ground and protect his wife, and he doesn't. And what ends up happening is is he creates another nation, and that nation will cause endless problems for his son Isaac and that nation. And there will be all sorts of issues. Rarely do we recognize when we are justifying our behavior the implications of what we're doing. Rarely do we see all of what's going to happen because I choose in this moment to justify a certain level of behavior that's not trusting God. When things aren't working out, it's easy to chit-chat about it instead of handling it. When I'm feeling pressure in my marriage, it's easy to go over here and use a vice instead of trying to figure out how to work at it. When I'm having a problem at work and all that pressure is there, instead of getting on my knees and praying, it's very easy to to figure out another way to handle my stress. But it doesn't work. And the implications are just like the switching of lanes. It ends up causing more problems. All of us have been victimized at times in our lives. And all of us have been the perpetrators at times in our lives. But here's the thing. You are not a victim. That's not who you are. You may have been victimized, but you are not a victim. Because this woman, Hagar, has to run because Abram wants to check out and doesn't want to deal with the drama. And he says, Sarai, do whatever you want with her. So Sarai ends up beating and abusing her, her, her slave. And her slave goes and runs away. And God, in the middle of the wilderness at this well, shows up and finds her and says, Sarai, or Hagar, servant of Sarai, where are you coming from and where are you headed? And she's like, I'm being abused in this situation. And these are God's words. Go back to Sarai and submit to her. What? You ever notice that it's really easy to assume that God's direction comes through our circumstances? If things are working out, this must be right. If things are difficult, this must be wrong. That is not the Bible. Look at the Apostle Paul. They just threw stones at me and hit me and they're calling me names. Let me get back in there. You know? When Jesus is being hung on a cross, he goes willingly. Our circumstances, even if they're unhealthy, do not determine what we're supposed to do. What determines what we're supposed to do? God. (laughs) God directs us and leads us, and we submit to him until he changes where he wants us to go. And Hagar decides to go back, and this is God's response. And I'm going to bless you and you're going to have a nation come from you. By the way, only time the female in the Old Testament that it's a matriarchal blessing instead of a patriarchal blessing. 
not in the nation of Israel. You know, amazing thing. So you're not a victim. Why not? God finds her, and this is what she says. She calls God a name. She says, you are the God who sees me. It's up on that cross, by the way. You are the God who sees me. No matter where you've been, no matter how isolated you've been, no matter how much pressure you've had in your life, no matter how difficult things have been, no matter how long you've waited, God sees you. You are not a victim and you are not alone. Don't allow your mind to go to dark places that justify behavior that pulls you further away from God. Press in. He is there with you. He'll find you in your desert. He'll find you in your wilderness. Hang on to him. Grip onto him. Trust him. Know that he is faithful to his promises and he will always be there when it seems like there's no possible way. God will find a way. And next week, we will see just how he does that. Oh, I wish that this week, they had trusted for just a little bit longer and caused so many less issues if they had just stayed in their lane. Let's pray. God, we're not in control. You are. How many times in my how many times in my life, God? How many times in my life have I looked at this situation and figured like, man, I gotta find a way to make this happen? How many times in our lives, God, have we felt because of the pressure, because of the pain, because of the abuse, because of things that have happened that were unfair, that were unjust, because of the waiting, because of the failed expectations, because of the broken relationships where we've started to do things and there's been a part of us that can justify it. And it's never led to life. But when we look not with our eyes, but we look with our eyes of faith, God, you will always be faithful to us. You'll always be faithful to us. So I thank you for Hagar, who in the midst of her darkest hours saw you. I thank you for Job, who said, after all his suffering before, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I thank you, God, that you meet us in that dark place, that you find us, and you will encourage us. So I just ask God that as a congregation, And as individuals, that whatever that pressure is, that today, God, you would raise up our faith again. That you would cleanse our hearts again. That the the relationships, the tensions, the circumstances, all of that stuff, God, that you would take our eyes off of that and our eyes would be fixed firmly on you. And you would raise up in each and every one of us the bold faith that says, God said it and he'll deliver and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to keep my eyes firmly fixed on the Lord and wait for his deliverance in the midst of the pressure. And as you deliver, you will receive honor and glory and praise because you're worth all of it. We thank you and praise you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Go in peace.